Welcome into episode 295 of the Sources A podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network, presented by Justice Dental tonight. A very, 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 very huge show breaking down Kentucky's blowout victory over number eight Miami. We may or may not be uh, inside Rupp Arena right now. Soaking it in. What an unbelievable night. But before but before we get started, a quick message from our friends at Justice Dental. Sources say it's presented by the great team at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling or texting 859-543-0700. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team look forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined oh, here in person by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean. How the heck are you after this I'm, ridiculous night? I'm fantastic. We don't get to do this often either. To, together, side by side, talking about this team, what they did tonight. I tweeted in the middle of the game that this looks like the best team in college basketball, and it certainly did. I know that they're still missing the front court. I know that they have a loss to Kansas. But what they did tonight, the way that they played, they're, they're, the sharing the basketball, holding a team like Miami, who entered this game leading all college basketball in three-point percentage, to what 26 percent roughly from three-point line just just an incredible performance and a, and a quad one victory that, that should stand throughout the season 95 to 73 in a game that beyond a single 13-0 run by miami in the first half it wasn't close like kentucky thoroughly dominated from the opening tip through the final buzzer and it was kind of bizarre because we obviously have to start with DJ Wagner. It was kind of a story. He goes down with an ankle injury, four minutes to go in the first half. That could have been a moment, Sean, where things unraveled a little bit. Like he's kind of been the go-to bucket getter, the alpha, the I'm going to put the team on my back and take things over and kind of take a, lead us across the finish line. He's been that guy. So the game has, was neck and neck up to that point leading up to that injury. I think Kentucky was down two at the, the moment of that injury. And rather than unravel with your kind of alpha and go-to guy out back in the locker room, obviously hurt in, in serious pain, instead of folding, they kind of rally behind him and around him and turn that into an unbelievable 26-point lead in the second half, end up winning by 22. That doesn't just happen. This is the, the, ignore this is the eighth best team in college basketball. Ignore anything, what the final score says, how bad they looked, whatever. There's a big reason for that. And it's because Kentucky made them look that way. Jim Laranega kind of struggled to come up with words after the game. It was just like, yeah, they, we we couldn't guard them because they're really, really good. Called Reed Shepard an NBA player. We know that. Look with your own two eyes. He is a one-and-done level talent. Maybe NIL brings him back for a second year, but we got to stop talking about him as a four-year, multi-year guy. Talent-wise, he's a one-and-done. Rob Dillingham is a one-and-done. Those two kind of righted the ship and, and moved the momentum forward in the second half to turn this into a, an absolute beatdown against a top-10 team in the country. You know why, Sean? Because this is a top-10 team in the country. This is a top-5 team in the country. This might be a top-1 team in the country. It, it, it very well could be a, a number-one team in the country. And this was a 37-34 to 34 game for Miami with 3-11 to play in the first half. And it didn't take long. I think it's by the 16, 17-minute mark of the second half, Kentucky had a 12-point lead. That's how quickly it flipped. Reed Shepard made some plays. Miami had a gimme basket under 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 their rim, and Reed Shepard strips it, leads the points the other way. He blocks a shot that then leads to an Antonio Reeves layup on the other end. Like Reed Shepard, once again, making impacts in other areas. Shot the ball well again tonight. 
assists, making plays. He is, has 22 steals on the season through seven games. Rajon Rondo set the single season record here at Kentucky with 87 in the 2004-2005 season. Through seven games that season, Rajon Rondo was at 17 steals. It's time that we actually have to be having a conversation about what Reed Shepard is doing in that area of his game. But, man, this, what, a, what a game. Rob Dillingham, nine assists, zero turnovers. He leads the SEC in assists. Did you ever think that you and I would be sitting here talking about Rob Dillingham and his assist numbers? 40 assists on the year to nine turn turnovers. Kentucky doesn't have a single player on its roster that has double-digit turnovers through seven games. Think about that. Rob Dillingham is hilarious. <laughs> like, I we, we asked him after the last game, I think before he took his first shot, he had five rebounds and five assists uh, in that game against Marshall. And, and I think Ben Roberts asked, he said, have, have, did you ever in your basketball journey think that you could do something like that? Like, is that even in your basketball DNA? And he was like, guys, I want to be totally honest. You don't ever hear about Rob not taking shots. And he's just adapted so unbelievably well where he's still taking shots he kind of carried the load offensively with some ridiculous offensive takes in the second half 10 points in the second half uh you know hit a couple dagger threes finish around the basket with whatever this flip de do loop de do like what is that called i don't really know but it looks good because rob dillingham does it it's kind of a jelly scoop and score whatever it is it, it looks good doing it because rob dillingham looks good doing basically anything that he does and he does not turn the ball over it is insanity how he is an, as good of a playmaker as he is and impacts the game and impacts winning the way he does without the erratic nonsense that we were expecting it's like he has cut cut out that part of his game almost completely and has only kept the good stuff that doesn't just happen it it it, it's hard to put that into words how valuable that is where you're getting the best version of Rob Dillingham every single night without the the risk part like there is a risk reward that comes with playing Rob Dillingham and having him on your roster and it's only been a reward no risk whatsoever and that has been just so valuable it allows Antonio Reeves to do his thing and kind of fill his uh, you know, scoring load however he needs to Trey Mitchell doing his kind of in between you know career high assists for him as well like Everything kind of revolves around each other with this with this team, and we got to see it in the national spotlight. Social media was buzzing after that game, Sean, where people were starting to go, uh-oh, like this team doesn't have Aaron Bradshaw yet. This team doesn't have Zvonir Abisic. It doesn't have Ugana Onyenso. And they just beat the everlasting hell out of the number eight team in college basketball. A very good, like, yep. do not look at this and minimize – what Miami can do. That's a very, very good basketball team that had five players averaging a double figure, shooting as efficiently as any team in college basketball. And Kentucky beat the everlasting hell out of them. Give credit to Kentucky for how good they are. Don't just do this to minimize Miami, even though that's kind of the reactionary thing that a lot of national folks Well, you do. know, Jim Lernega brought up tonight, too. He mentioned the phrase, we could not out we couldn't outscore them which is something we've talked about with this team early in the season is I, I keep going back to sure their defensive numbers aren't where we want them to be at, at one point tonight. I think they got to 55. I think it may be back down to 57th and adjusted defense efficiency. That number is going to fluctuate early in the season because we only have a sample size of about six to seven games for most of these teams. But when you look at that, I've been saying that right now you've got to outscore Kentucky to beat them. Kansas did a few weeks ago. 
Kentucky came up short in that game. Kentucky's scoring the ball at a more impressive clip now than they were two weeks ago. I mean, we're off 118 points a few days ago. They're averaging 94 they're, on the year, 94.4 per game. And you and I talked about the over-under and what was set at. It went over late. But Kentucky carried that score tonight. We, it we wasn't thought, our fault. We, we did thought, our part. Yeah, we thought that Miami would chip in a little bit more in that. Which they, they, they went under their total. I think their total was set at 78.5. But when you look at what Kentucky's doing, the defensive numbers will improve. They will get better. As the season progresses, they, they, they get some bigs back. They'll get some size. Those numbers will, will fluctuate and move as well. But just overall, the, the, the three-point line, you held a team to five made threes that was leading the country in three-point percentage entering the game, and they shot, I think, well below their average. I believe they were at 40. They were basically a coin flip three-point shooting yeah. team, and you held them to 26. Yeah. You, you turn a coin flip shooting team into a court, quarter uh, – What I don't know the coin terminology, <laughs> but a, a quarter of that. Uh, 20, 25% essentially tonight compared to 50% essentially. No, and, and you had guys like like – Uga Poplar that, that started the game. I know he had a lot of baskets early and then, you know, had a, had a good night, but he was 19 of 32 from three entering this game. He didn't hit a three tonight. He only attempted two. Like Kentucky's game plan was obviously to, to you know, to not let Miami get hot from three. And they, they, they did. And they didn't. So when you, then you look at the other side, sure. Kentucky's three point numbers overall, the attempts were down. They only attempted 21 threes tonight, which is still well above, John Calipari averaged at Kentucky. Like they're still above that number, but they got to the what they averaged percentage wise 42.9%. They're hovering right around that mark right now on the season. So they got there, even with fewer attempts. We, we talked about a couple a couple of games ago, I believe it was the St. Joe's game, that they didn't shoot as many, but they hit their number. So tonight they didn't hit the number that they averaged, but they hit the percentage. So the efficiency is still there in that area, even though they didn't take 27, 28, 33s tonight. But just what a game plan overall from John Calipari. You, the energy in this building tonight was unreal. I've covered Tip games the cap here. To BBN, man. I've covered games here for seven years, and this is by far a top four, top five environment that I've covered in. And the juice was here. This team is fun. This team, we were talking about it pregame tonight, you and I downstairs, about there's a different feeling about what this team's doing right now. The excitement is about, man, this team can actually go and do something in that tournament three or four months from now. I'm not sure anyone really believed that a year ago. I don't even know if people really believed it the year before that, even though Kentucky had a good regular season. This team just has a lot to it. And you mentioned Rob earlier and, and what he did. There was one moment tonight before DJ got hurt. DJ was at the scores table because Cal was upset with Rob for something, and Rob hit a shot. It was his first made basket of the game, and Cal goes to DJ and tells him to come back. And it's like even Cal knows, okay, this, this guy can get hot just by hitting one shot or making one play, and then he made the play you're talking about, and then he looks at his hand as he's going He does it after like, every made yeah. basket. Like, <laughs> God gave me this. Imagine being Rob Dillingham and having a God-given creation like like a Rob Dillingham right hand. Like, how how unfair is that? It just it's, – it's unbelievable. We don't even talk about Trey Mitchell, who set a career high in assists tonight. Seven, seven. assists. He had, he'd got to the number five probably, I'd say, 10 to 15 times in his career. And I know he'd got there at least once this season, but he gets to seven. He did have three turnovers, but, he, I mean, he only had three turnovers the entire season entering tonight, but he still gets seven assists. Rob was with nine. 
the assist number for Kentucky that it goes hand in hand with making shots. But even Jim Wetternaga brought up the assist total for Kentucky and how well they shared the basketball. Like th this is something now when they played Kansas a couple of weeks ago, everyone's opinion about Kentucky changed, but I still think people didn't really know where to put them. This had more tonight to do with Kentucky than it did Miami. Miami's a good basketball team. That's a program coming off a of final four. This had everything to do with just how good Kentucky is, and the backcourt depth showed itself again tonight. DJ goes out. No worries. They pick up the slack. Hopefully DJ's okay, but this backcourt, what did uh, Antonio Reeves, another quiet, just what, eight, how many, 18, 18 on seven of 12, only hit one three. Very like, efficient numbers from him, and he's chipping in on the boards. Like that's something he was, I, 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 I felt – I felt that all of the guards were unbelievably active. They lost the rebounding battle, and I thought it was hilarious. Cal, as soon, as soon as he gets to the podium, he goes, hold on, guys, I haven't even gotten to see a box score yet. Let me look at it. <laughs> he looks at it and goes, hmm, yeah, we got out-rebounded again. Wow, that's pretty good. Like, even him, like, he had no words. He, he couldn't even poke holes in, in that team's performance because it was – there, there are a lot of times that you watch this team and you go, okay, what happens when the shots aren't falling? What happens when the random basketball gets a little too chaotic and the shots aren't falling and it kind of leads to panic and it leads to whatever? You kind of got to see a little bit of that in the first half. They, they finished the first half just two of ten from three. They did not live and die by the three, and they still went into halftime up five. Like, this is a team that is adapting and evolving per, by game. It's not like – they're doing the same thing game by game, kind of like the, on our chat last game, uh, last show. Uh, they asked, you know, how is this any different than Alabama? Well, Alabama was kind of a they are who they are. Their identity is what it is, and they're going to live by it or die by it. And they did end up dying by it. But this team is, continues to counter and throw different kind of counter punches back that you don't see on November 29th. You don't see from a group of eight freshmen – most of which in you know in the core rotation right now as we wait for the bigs to come back is you know whatever uh, you don't expect to see that this early November 29th for them to you know kind of take what the defense is giving them instead of just asserting themselves they're also kind of adapting and shifting to that I really like how Cal pointed that out and said we had a really specific game plan we wanted to take them away from the three-point line we wanted to force them into long twos and they were able to do that for the most part I could live with Norchad Omier beating you with 20 points. I, I could live with that if it meant that the Nigel Pack doesn't go for 20. Yep. Nigel Pack goes for two points yep. on one of six shooters. Like quiet. they they adapted so well to the game plan and it resulted in an ass whooping. Like they went on the national stage, all eyes on this team. You had even Jeff Goodman going on Twitter going, damn, this might be a Final Four team. Like, <laughs> how hard is that? for somebody like that to own up to the mistake that they made of picking against Kentucky going into this year. This team's earning a lot of respect. They're 12 in the rankings right now, 12 in, yes. in, in both polls. I'm here to tell you that's going to change. It's it's going to change. UNC Wilmington's coming up on Saturday, and then I think we're, we're, we're inching closer toward the national respect matching what the product is on the floor. And right now the product is really, really freaking impressive. And getting super close to Camp Cal time too where John Calipari teams get better because there's more time in the gym. There's there's no classes. And you got the game Saturday, and then you get a week off. Aaron Bradshaw getting closer to, to his return. He was out on the floor again during pregame tonight. Looking but, awesome, by the yeah, way. Looking 
explosive and, and, and jumping and dunking and doing things that we hadn't really got to see him do like that. That's that's in itself a lot of reasons to be another reason to be excited about what this team's doing. But man, just a, an incredible night. They at one point they had three turnovers late in the first half and Miami had seven points off those three turnovers. So they, they'd scored off every single turnover that Kentucky had. Kentucky finishes the night with eight turnovers. Miami only adds two points off those additional five turnovers. Like this is a team that just continues to refuse to turn the basketball over. Cal did mention that they got out rebounded, but when you're shooting 60% from the floor, you're probably still going to win the ball game. Like especially when you hold the other team to 44%, 26 from three, 48 points in the paint tonight for Kentucky. We've seen this team do it from the three-point line by hitting a high number threes. Tonight we saw them get shots and get baskets at the rim. They also even still hit nine threes. You still get 27 points from the three-point line in addition on the same night that you get 48 points from the paint. Like, I'd love to see the actual shot chart for tonight and what it looked like. I mean, this team, to me, Jack, they jump all the way into that top seven in the new poll if they went on Saturday. Like, this was this was the win that everybody was really waiting for when you look at Kentucky. And this is where they've came up short, is in the non-conference and quad one opportunities. Yeah, we don't have the, the net rankings yet, but this will be a quad one win the moment the net rankings come out. And we'll see if it holds throughout the season. But regardless, Kentucky earned a lot of respect tonight. They earned it two weeks ago, but they validated it tonight with what they did. And I, I don't – it can't be understated what is about to happen with this group with Aaron Bradshaw. Like, I think even I was a little skeptical of, okay, he's been hyped up as a, as this unicorn, this 7-2 unicorn who's going to, you know, step out and knock, knock down shots, attack the basket, you know, really show off his offensive versatility and also be the shot blocker, rim protector, lob catcher, rim runner, yada, yada. Like that was the talk with him. And the sample size just hasn't been significant to justify an expectation of him being an efficient three-point, like high-volume efficient three-point shooter. We got to see him for the first time with it. And I've seen him an unbelievable amount of times in high school, AAU, you know, McDonald's All-American practices. He's done a lot of it in, you know, warm-ups and things like that, but it, I haven't seen a lot of it in game production, and that's kind of what's been talked about behind the scenes of, like, we, that's what we have seen of him, and, and that's they, they see the fit with that. I got to see it with my own two eyes with the workout, and he went through a full, I mean, high-intensity, sweating, like, really hardcore workout uh, and looked unbelievable. Like, he was making shots at a high clip. He was kind of showing off his athleticism and willing to throw his body around a little bit down low and, and dunk on somebody's head. Like it, it kind of changes your your view of all of this, knowing that okay, we already look the way we are right now. Trey Mitchell has been phenomenal, and kind of just imagine what that's going to look like. Where I love Jordan Burks, but if you replace those minutes with an Aaron Bradshaw, where he can step out and knock down a three, where he's at least going to give you a consistent mid range, you, you know lob presence at minimum that's what this team is missing and it's like if that's the one hole that you can poke in this team right now is interior you know rim protection rebounding those those sorts of things and you can replace that without subtracting the offensive versatility like you're gonna start seeing a lot of like we're seeing blowouts right now but what is even that next step i mean they're, they're gonna start beating the heck out of teams 
and I'm excited. And, and there's a lot of talk that Saturday might be the day. Like yeah. there, that's that's kind of the buzz. It Cal kind of sort of hinted at it in post game, but didn't want to nail down a specific target date. But the buzz right now is Saturday. He's going to try to give it a go against UNC Wilmington. He looked like he could have given you know given it a go tonight as well. Um, how does that change things, Sean? I, like fans want to know about you know the the will he won't he what if with with him. I feel like now that he's here and we can talk about it in depth and after seeing him with our own two eyes, what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, it's whenever we do get it, if we get it on Saturday, it, it adds some intrigue to a game that probably doesn't have a lot to it. Right. When they, when they play UNC Wilmington, but I'm interested to see how they use him, where they play him, how many minutes they play him, you know, what his role is. Like we know that that's something that will gradually grow over the course of the month of December and into January and February as you move throughout the season. But what Kentucky gets is you're you're talking about a guy that is arguably their most talented piece and one of their best NBA draft prospects that is, Which is still so not stupid. That is so floor. stupid to say. Like <laughs> and, and and the thing that me and you've talked about on here is yes, we know the defensive numbers need to improve and they will. But I, I've been saying it's hard to really judge what they are defensively until they have some size. That is an area of their game that is missing. They have they have no size outside of Trey Mitchell and Aduth Arrows, their their next biggest body that's it's in there getting rebounds. But I want to see what they do offensively. You and I have talked about this on the last episode. You mentioned playing A B at the four and leaving Trey at the five. The one thing you don't want to do is really mess up what they're doing offensively. When you're scoring 90 plus every time you step on the floor, and this isn't just against anybody. I mean, this was against Miami tonight. This is against a Jim Winternega coached basketball team that just is off a of final four appearance. Like they put up 95 and, it, and honestly, you probably could have got to hundred, but they kind of held up there towards the, the end of the game. But it's, it's all about balance. And the reason I don't have any concerns about working a new guy into this thing is because when you look at the box score, it's every single night, it's consistent. You've got consistent scoring tonight. You got a guy with 21, 18, 14, 12, 11, and then you get down to nine, five and five. You can't get any more balanced than that. And then look at this, the rebounding category. You got five, 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 six, three. It's by committee. Everything with this team is by committee. And when you put by committee efforts with the talent Kentucky has, you get what you're seeing on the floor right now. How many teams can lose their lead guard in a tight game, and then when you come in with the bench, you just run away with it and end up blowing the team off the floor? Not – 10, not 15, and, 26. And, and like right now, like Kentucky, well, I labeled I labeled him a lead guard, but I feel like Kentucky's got four lead guards. 29, by the way. Not, th- 30 peaks still. I've got, I feel, it's like Kentucky has four lead guards. Is it Reeves? Is it DJ? Is it Rob? Is it is it Reed? We haven't even mentioned Justin Edwards, who I think is getting true. better he, and better. He, and better. he had a really solid all-around night. He Five did. of seven shooting. 11 points and did not fumble the ball had, had around three, the basket. It had a three wiped out because of a shot clock violation that he did knock yeah. down. So, like, he's doing good things. A dude did good things in his minutes. But how many teams around college basketball can lose a DJ Wagner for a half and then just route a top 10 team like that? You're not going to get that much from anybody. And we're talking about DJ who had back to back 20 point performances. And hopefully he's good and able to get back in here. But it just shows the depth that Kentucky has. And not just the depth, but the talent of depth that I keep talking about. It is the exact reason. This backcourt is the reason why we were so high on this team. Because look how many talented pieces they have. 
This backcourt is the best backcourt in college basketball. It's the deepest backcourt in college basketball. Well, I thought basketball. they weren't top twenty. Oh, they're 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 one and they're and they're one A like that or one B like it, it's literally right there. Like to me, you put Rob and Reed together. You got DJ and Antonio. It don't matter. Like whatever combination you come up with with this this guard with these guards, they're they're dominating the competition, and it's not even close. It's the best do. It, it's not even a duo. Like it's just quartet. Yeah, like whatever combination you. They put, work together and, like a quartet in unison and harmony and just producing the most beautiful music, but visual music. And when you're talking about your five man was second in assist tonight was seven. And seven. he's having a career year in assist. Like he's going to go well over whatever he's done in his career. I mean, this is a guy that that is getting above four a game now. He had and, three turnovers tonight, and then it doubled his season season output yeah. in that. And and for a, for a player that over the course of his career, like we've mentioned this the last couple of weeks, he has never averaged more assists than turnovers. But even though he had three tonight, he had seven assists. Did I say assist or turnovers? I, I don't know. I, I'm losing my mind. It's almost it's almost one o'clock in the morning. People are on the stream. I had a, a lot. This is awesome. <laughs> I appreciate everybody. Uh, Devin Morrison, Jack, do you and Sean think Cal may be about to hit another stride resembling that of ten to fifteen again? Speaking of which, John Wall in attendance, yeah. unbelievable pop from the Rupp Arena fan base. That was awesome to see. Uh, I like that he's been around this team and you know kind of putting his hands on them a little bit. Uh, we saw him uh, in, in Chicago for the Champions Classic as well. Now here at Rupp Arena making his return to Lexington. But it does kind of have that vibe, right, Sean? Like just look at the recruiting effort and output. And going for guys and in, in recruits that like people are kind of scoffing at, saying that you have no shot. The Boozer Twins, VJ Edgecombe, guys like that that everybody's saying, oh, well, they're locks to Duke. They're locks to whomever. Cal's going, okay. Sounds good. Let's go. Let's go do that. Uh, you know, Jaden Quain's all. Uh, you know, he's going to go to the highest bidder. Kentucky can't compete with NIL, so there's no way Cal's going to get this two two year generational talent, this prodigy, as Cal put it. Then he goes signs him. Like you are kind of getting that edge, and his press conferences are kind of reflecting the like. There's just something different about it. You walk into this gym, you see the way the team is interacting, and the way. The, the preparation, the mental and physical preparation, the way the coaches are interacting with one another and, and the, the random staffers, the peps in their steps. Like, it just does feel like there's something different with this group and it is kind of bleeding over into the future classes. The recruiting is awesome for 24. It's even better for 25, as Cal has put several, you know, said several times now. It like, that's a three-year run right there. If Things continue to build momentum in 24. Cal said just last night that he's going to land two, one or two more guys in that 24 class, which is already number two in the country. If that ends up being B.J. Edgecombe and Billy Richmond or get a reclass from Darren Peterson, whomever, whatever the case is, the momentum is starting not just where this is like a one last hurrah with Coach Cal. He's doing this while also thinking ahead and building baller recruiting classes for 24 and 25 and potentially beyond because 26 class could be special as well. It, I, 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 I could see it. I can, I agree that 10 to 15 run a special, this kind of feels special too. I feel like just looking at what we see and all the things that you just mentioned, how together everyone is, 
the continuity that is within this program right now, it's not just what's on the floor. I feel like everyone is on the same page. I feel like we've got the fans back on side with Cal. I feel like Cal's back in tune with the fans. I feel like everything is operating the way it should be and the way it used to. And this is the most connected and together I feel like BBN has been with the basketball program in how long? Five, six years? I mean, they've, they've had moments where it's been good, but there's just a different vibe. Like there were people waiting in line, like the student section tonight, to get out there three hours ahead of time before the doors open. Like there's just a vibe and a feel in this town, in the city, around this program, in the state that has not been here for a long time. And there will be people that outside of Kentucky that are say, "Oh, we're overreacting." No, like they 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 did it two weeks ago against Kansas, and they came up short. They should have won that basketball game. You line up and play Kansas now. Kentucky wins that game because Kentucky is two weeks older. They're two weeks more experienced. Reed Shepard, Rob Dillingham, all these dudes are just playing with a confidence that you keep waiting on one of these guys to take a step back because they've been so good, but they continue to just keep taking steps forward. That's the impressive thing about it. And I liked hearing from Antonio Reeves after the game, hearing from uh, Justin Edwards and Reed Shepard, they – brought up the Kansas game and said that, yeah, it sucked. Nobody wants to lose on that stage, that environment, blah, blah, blah. Nobody wants to lose that. But it also gave us the blueprint of like, hey, you got a 14-point lead. Here's how you don't mess it up. Like, here's how you don't crumble down the stretch. They they continue to talk about that and just the impact that losing in the way they did and kind of choking away that, that lead at the very end how that has impacted them and said, okay, well, that gave us, you know, this piece of knowledge and this, this example. And, and, you know, we're able to use those pieces of information and, and use it to our benefit to close out games like this. It would have been so easy, Sean, for Kentucky to crumble when DJ Wagner went down, he goes down with an ankle sprain. Cal says after, afterward, he hasn't seen him. It did acknowledge it was an ankle issue. Um, he was riding on the stationary bike afterward, kind of told the coaches around the bench that he was going to give it a go, was going to try to give it a go, but just too close, which makes me confident about, you know, the long term, what that looks like. I haven't heard anything to indicate, you know, usually if it's a season ender, if it's a something of substance, like, uh oh, we got to really worry about this. That kind of trickles out relatively soon. It was pretty much the exact opposite of that basically saying you know tweaked his ankle rolled it you know he was trying to come back in the second half anyway but when you're up by 29 points you don't need to make that happen so it would have been really easy in that moment to just get defeated and get get down and go ah man our leader's out our alpha is out better luck next time they were already down when it happened what's another couple points which could have led the you know dam to break open instead they said you know what, screw it, let's go beat the hell out of them and, and make a statement. Justin Edwards said, we wanted to rally behind our brother. We wanted to win that game for DJ Wagner. That's awesome. That's a brotherhood. That's the unselfishness. That's how you get uh, 26 assists on 37 made baskets with just eight turnovers. That that mindset is how you lead to the efficiency and unselfishness that we're seeing on a game-to-day basis. Yeah, I mean, the, just the togetherness that they're they're playing with. It's if they continue to do that, like this team hasn't peaked. Like there's there's no way it's peaked. Look how young it is. Like all these guys are individually going to continue getting better and better, and collectively they're going to get better and better. Now the challenge to me 
is you're going to have some national talk now about how good this team is that was missing a little. Yeah, they got some respect against Kansas, but now there's going to be people that are probably going to be like, yeah, Jeff Goodman tonight. I'm going to insert them into my Final Four. That's the first time we've been hearing that. So how does Cal keep that from creeping into the locker room and into meetings and things like that? That's the challenge now. You're getting some really positive press clippings from national folks. The local folks have been in on this team for a while. The national scene now, but look, listen to some of these numbers. So 22-point margin of victory. That's UK's largest over an AP top-ranked team opponent in Rupp Arena. The previous high was 21 points against number six Louisville in November 1983. Like we keep talking about the first since this and going back to this, and then they've they've scored at least 81 points in all seven games this season. That's the first time that has happened to open a season since 1970-71 when Kentucky did it in the first nine games. I mean, of all the talent that's been in this program, we're going back decades now. 50 years and and seeing stats and things like what they're doing offensively is what is driving the car for them. That's what's pushing the momentum forward. The defense will get figured out, but if you keep scoring the ball this way, you're putting more pressure on the other team having to walk in and stop you. Because right now I'm confident Kentucky's outscoring anybody they play. Yeah. And I agree with, uh, this comment, I don't think these guys care about people believing in them or not because they fully believe in themselves. Okay. And you got to kind of – you got that quote from Cal after the game where he said, you know, somebody asked about, you know, do, do, do you think they they feed off of the fun? Like, the, do you think they rally behind the, whoa, we're having a blast, let's keep this thing moving? And Cal was like, nah, because that's just who they are. That's who they're that's, – that's their mindset. They all have a – we don't care about the outside noise. We don't care about what's going on behind this. We just want to play basketball, win games, and hang out with each other. We're friends. We're, you know, similar personalities. We're, you know, you get that vibe. You get that camaraderie. I agree with that. I don't think that, like, maybe it's forward thinking, but I don't think that's going to be something that hurts them this year. I don't think if they work their way up to number one in the polls that it's going to be something that they're going to have this major target on their back and, you know, crumble under the pressure. Like, we saw them against the the best pressure imaginable in the Champions Classic, and they damn near pulled it off. Like, yeah, it sucked. The, the, the final minute sucked, but they have felt this pressure. They're Kentucky. Like, they, like I just don't see a, an avenue for the, for them to take that and, and fall. Well, well and, and even though Kentucky was up big tonight, even Cal said he treated the end. Was it like they were up eight? Is that what Great quote, said? yes. And, and that's the situation. So he took – the score and just wiped it clean and was like, we're going to treat this like situational basketball. And the only reason Kentucky lost to Kansas two weeks ago is because it had not been in that situation yet. You and I recorded a rapid reaction that night and we talked about Phoenix and we talked about, I didn't see any way that this doesn't end in Phoenix. And I said that was the most positive and the best feeling I'd had about Kentucky basketball in three or four years in a loss. And it was because the groundwork had been laid that night, and they built on that. They had a very close game with St. Joseph's here a week or so ago, a, a little over a week ago. They pulled it out. This this team just keeps getting better and better. Though Friday night, you see them together. Tonight, you see them playing together. They're all they all have a smile on their face. Reed Shepard, no moment is too big for Reed Shepard. No moment is too big for Rob Billingham. When you got guys that aren't afraid of the moment, 
they welcomed the, a top 10 team into Rupp Arena tonight. And they had the confidence that there are 400 people watching this at 106 in the morning. Because that's what this team is. It, it's exciting. People want to talk about it. There's a reason why we wanted to do this show tonight. It's because we weren't waiting until 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Sorry. Like, that's just this this team. You got to talk about it. You got to soak this in and feel it. Because I, I said this on our message board tonight, which, by the way, if you're not subscribed to KSR Plus by now, it's it, there's what why? There's no reason not to. We're having a blast talking about the games. Insider information, scoop, buzz. You get to talk with us all the time it's a blast like just stop what you're doing and go subscribe we'll finish this video and then go subscribe over there subscribe to this and then sub subscribe to ksr plus but i lost my train of thought what was it what were we talking about we were talking about how good this team oh is. about how i haven't felt like this <laughs> there were moments in this game where reed shepherd was made hit a dagger three and I, I felt something inside of me that I don't remember the last time I have felt watching Kentucky basketball. Like Rob Dillingham finishing the way he does with his whoop-de-doo and the, you know, the dagger three that he hits and then looking at his hand. And it's it's like that, that Kentucky basketball is back vibe that I don't remember the last time I felt this. I think it was 2016-17, I think. But the brand is fun. It's an enjoyable product. And it's only going to get better as the team gets more cohesive and you get Aaron Bratch on the lineup and you figure out what the heck to do with Z and Uga Ugana Yenso and all that. We're, we're just start, we're just seeing the start of this. And the product is already so unbelievable, fun, uh, unbelievably fun that you can you can see the vision of of success. You can see the vision of okay, this does have the makings of one of those special teams, and it just the feeling that I have watching them is completely different than anything I can remember in a really, really long time. And it's just good to be a part of this. Like we've seen some really crappy basketball doing this show. We sit, we, you know, being in rub where it's a nine o'clock game on Tuesday night. And I'm like, damn, I don't even want to drive to Lexington for this. Like it's sloppy. It's boring. It's mucky. It's it, like the, I, I hated that feeling because this is my baby. Kentucky basketball, look at – I mean, I'm wearing a, a retro UK basketball jacket because this is – I'm a Kentucky fan. I'm a diehard Kentucky fan. I want to enjoy watching this product. And right now the product is so unbelievably fun to watch, and the numbers are reflecting that. The efficiency numbers are reflecting that. They are – you can see how much they are enjoying it as well. It's just a blast, man. It, it's this. This is a really, really fun time to be a Kentucky basketball. Fan. Well, and I tweeted out this morning. Well, actually, yesterday morning now, that Kentucky had four players in the top six in the SEC in assist. Rob Dillingham was leading the way. That number is probably going to stay the same. Now it will fall because DJ did play tonight, and I don't think he recorded an assist before he got hurt. Am I right on that? Uh, one assist. He had one assist before he went out. So that number will fluctuate a little. But here is what I'm talking about defensively. So I tweeted an hour ago that Kentucky was 55th in adjusted defense efficiency. They're 59th now. That's just how it fluctuates so early in the season. When we get into January, I want to see what that number looks like. Because what is the point differential per 100 possessions that are separating some of these teams? Offensively, they're now up to third. And they're 13th in Ken Palm. Like, the numbers are trending in the right direction. Like, that defense efficiency number was a lot lower than that on Tuesday morning. So it is trending upward. 
overall, I think they had a pretty good defensive performance. I think that they they executed the game plan on what they wanted Miami to do. When you hold a team that is shooting the clip that they were from three-point line to that total, you did something right. And Kentucky affected the game and, and on the defensive end. And you got Reed Shepard leading the league in steals, and they're, I think he's near the top for sure in that category. But just overall what Kentucky's doing right now, it's a collective push to be what they are. This is a top five team in college basketball. And I think everyone noticed it and realized it tonight. It, it took tonight to finally get people on board with what they can be. This team's going to get better and better. And its next big test is in two weeks, a little over two weeks, when they play North Carolina and Atlanta. They've got a couple of games in between, but the next big one, big one, is North Carolina. And that's another opportunity to get a, get a big victory. But Kentucky got a big one. They've been letting these slip through their through their hands, especially in the early parts of the seasons the last few years. I would love for them to continue. You know, you don't have to beat UNC Wilmington by 100, but go make that next. You know, don't don't turn that into a trap game because you're looking ahead to UNC and looking behind to Miami. Go make a statement there. Get Bradshaw on the floor. Play him five minutes. Play him ten minutes. Just see what you got there. Don't overdo it. Don't rush DJ back. You know, we don't know an, an official update yet on DJ, but you don't have to, you know, you you don't have to force feed that. You don't have to force feed Aaron. You don't have to force feed Ugo or Z or or any anyone. Just continue to play this brand of basketball. Play unselfish basketball. Play for one another. Look for that. You don't have to shoot 90% from the field. Just play your game and win that game the way you should. And, and, and then look ahead to UNC. Then, let, then let's go down and make that next statement. That's a really awesome opportunity for Kentucky to, you know, kind of get that monkey off their back. Like, you got the one at Rupp, but they also have kind of been struggling in these neutral site, high-profile matchups against top 10, top 15, whatever talent. Go make a statement down in, in Atlanta as well. That's yeah. going to be a blast. We're going to be down there. I'm going to go to uh, OTE. We're going to see Carter Knox and Sompto, uh Ciro play the night before. It's going to be a great weekend in, in Atlanta. I know fans are very excited about that. Um, I think there's a deal OTE is doing for $2 tickets that night before. If you want to go see some future cast, potentially at least one uh, we know of for certain with Sompto. But then the next day you get to go watch Kentucky uh, take on the you know top 15 UNC Tar Heels that are looking solid. And, and that, that's going to be a great matchup, a great opportunity to make yet another statement in a season where I think we're going to be getting a lot of statements, Sean. Yeah, absolutely. And the calendar now turns to December. So for what they accomplished in November, they're ahead. They're ahead of schedule. They're further along than what I thought they'd be, even though we targeted this game, right? Because you and I talked that I just didn't expect Kentucky to beat Kansas. But the way that they played, I took a win out of that night, even though it didn't show up in the win column. But tonight was the next checkpoint, and Kentucky passed. And they passed with an A-plus. Get another checkpoint here in a couple of weeks against North Carolina. You want to win the in-between, but I'm breaking the season into what do they look like against Kansas, Miami, Carolina, and then early league play, and then that Gonzaga game here at Rupp Arena. Well, that'll be another electric environment. But there's teams in college basketball that had better wins than what Kentucky got tonight, but the style of play and what Kentucky had to prove, it proved itself again against a top-ten team I want to see how Miami does in the ACC. There were some SEC teams last night. Alabama goes and loses to Clemson. Mississippi State loses to Georgia Tech. Like some of the teams that are in the top 25, Kentucky took care of business. We've already seen Arkansas drop games 
early in the season. I think they got Duke tomorrow night. I don't think that one was tonight. And then Tennessee, Carolina as well. So Kentucky gets a big win in the ACC-SEC Challenge, the first game of this event. And uh, definitely, definitely a lot to like about what this team's doing. Before we close out, got a text from somebody that was literally right behind the bench um, during the whole DJ debacle. Uh, the debacle. When he got hurt and the aftermath of that and, and conversations on the bench. Um, training staff guy came over and went up to DJ's mom, broke down what had happened to him, what they were doing, etc. Couldn't hear it all, but he said about three to four times, he's fine, he's fine. And then after the game, a few blue coats and other people around the players' family section came up and asked if he was okay. She said, uh, "She said again, it's it's fine. He's fine. He's fine." So, ankle tweak, rolled it. You know, high ankle sprain, sprain, whatever you want to call the diagnosis. It's not going to be something that's going to be long, long term. But if Reed's playing the way that he is and Rob's playing the way he is and Antonio's playing the way he is. You don't need to rush him back for UNC Wilmington. You don't need him to rush him back. for. I'd like for him to have the opportunity to play that homecoming matchup uh, up in, in Philly. I think that'd be great for him, uh, Justin and AB to, you know, get that chance to play for their friends and family. I, I would love that for him. It sucks that he's even going to have to deal with that question. Um, but don't rush him back. And when he does come back, ease him back in because this product right now, you don't, you don't need DJ Wagner. You need him, but you don't need him to win games right now, and that's a great thing. You're going to need him in SEC play, get him healthy, make sure this team's ready to go because we are certainly ready to go. This team is a blast. We're having a fun doing it. There's a reason why we're up at 1.15 in the morning at Rupp Arena doing the show because this team's worth it. it it's, it's worth it. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy every single individual player. Don't take any game for granted because Reed Shepard might be a one and done. Rob Dillingham is definitely a one and done. Go down the list. All of these guys, it might be one of the last chances you get to see them in a Kentucky uniform. I don't want to, like, ruin the buzz of the fun of that. But, like, also understand the magnitude of how enjoyable it is to be able to witness them in Rupperine in a game like this uh, in front of the fans. The, it, just enjoy it and soak this in. The, the one thing I'll say as we wrap up here that is the most impressive about what this team is doing is I don't see anyone pressing to go get theirs. These are guys that are playing within the system. And in Kentucky's system, it is random, but it's it's got structure to it. It's it's organized chaos, I guess, is how you could kind of put it with what they do. Like there, there's a method to, to the madness and what they're doing offensively. But you don't see guys forcing anything. Like maybe a guy will take a shot that's like, eh, maybe I shouldn't have taken that one. But for the most part, I think everything is within what they, they're wanting to do. And you, you look at Rob. Rob, I don't feel like Rob's forcing anything. I don't think Antonio Reeves is forcing anything. Honestly, like there's there's things like when we talk about ceiling and, and how good these this team can be, it's all because of the freshmen because they're so young and the ceiling is so high. But Antonio Reeves was a guy that entering the year I didn't think could get any better because he, he is who he is. But you know where he's getting better? He's not forcing a thing. One of three from three tonight the efficient 18, like he is becoming an efficient scorer that's getting his numbers for Kentucky and he's not having to go and just, and, and do it. Like he's just taking shots as they come within the offense. Trey Mitchell early tonight, I thought was trying to be too unselfish. There were a couple of times that he had the ball and he's looking to make a one more and it kind of threw off his rhythm and he had, he shot a couple of threes long. He needs, anytime he has a look at the rim, he's got to shoot it. 
Same thing with Antonio Reed. Same thing with Rob Dillingham. Reed Shepard. Cal mentioned tonight that he wasn't a knockdown shooter. You and I saw him shoot it pretty well in high school, but he shot one from the logo tonight. <laughs> Office of dead action. And that's the thing. If you go under, he's going to burn you. If you, you go over, he's going to be able to see the floor and make a play. Like he can get to the rim. This is a very difficult team to stop, and SEC coaches are going to be up late at night leading up to playing Kentucky because there are just so many weapons that, sure, if you you try to game plan and scheme for Antonio Reeves and DJ Wagner, you got to worry about Rob Dillingham and Reed Shepard coming off the bench. you also got to worry about Kentucky's five-man going for five, six, seven assists, and, and maybe on a given night, Trey Mitchell's capable of hitting five or six threes. Like, it's pretty hard to guard. Ha. Huh. This was fun. I appreciate everybody that came on. This was a blast. Thank you for uh, joining us virtually at Rupp Arena. This is awesome. If you were here at the game, shout out, man. Rupp Arena was awesome. The fan base was awesome. The team was awesome. They're going to continue to be awesome. And the show is going to continue to be awesome because tomorrow we will be back with none other than Kentucky's best signee for next year. Go figure. <laughs> like, why not have Jaden Quaintance on the show tomorrow to talk about why he's a Kentucky Wildcat, uh, preview this upcoming uh, event uh, this weekend in Louisville. Make sure you go to a Derek Smith Invitational in Louisville. Uh, it's going to be a blast. You get basically every high-profile b- basketball recruit in the nation coming to uh, Louisville. So you get A.J. DeBanza, Tyron Stokes, Jasper Johnson, Trey Johnson, even though he's gonna, uh, a Texas pledge, you get to see him with your own two eyes. And Jaden Quaints, he's the headliner, uh, for, especially for Kentucky folks. So we're going to interview Jaden uh, about that experience, about what it means to be a Kentucky player. And, you know, talk about being here for two years, how important that is to kind of just build a legacy here in Lexington. He's excited to talk about it. Um, and I know fans are excited for that. So make sure you jump on in here and ask. I know there's some fans asking, why, why aren't you guys answering fan questions? We're going to answer plenty of them tomorrow. And we're going to have uh, one of the most dominant high school players in basketball uh, answer some of them for you as well. So be back tomorrow uh, at some point. I don't I, we haven't set up a time specifically yet, but we'll we'll uh, keep you guys updated. Keep uh, your uh, Twitter notifications on. We'll send out the bat signal, and you you guys will know what to do. Yeah, and we said we we're keeping this to thirty minutes, and we're at fifty. We always do it. It, it never fails. It never fails. <laughs> oh, never fails. All right, let's get out of here. We appreciate you guys, uh, and we'll be back next time for the Jam Pack Sources Podcast. We will see you then. <laughs>